Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Haley McGee wants you to stop people pleasing and instead create an empowered life. Haley is a certified life coach who helps individuals conquer the people-pleasing pattern, set empowered boundaries, and master the art of speaking their truth. She has worked with over 100 clients across the United States, Canada, Yemen, France, Ireland, South Africa, and more. Today, we talk about the moment you realize you're a people-pleaser, the awareness it takes to transition from this pattern, and how communication is the key to unlocking a new way of being and relating. We dig deep in relationships, the importance of messy communication, the benefits to others when you decide to work on yourself, and how to use conflict to drive relationships deeper. That's right. Let's dig in. I am so excited to bring on to the Gold Podcast, Haley McGee. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is super exciting. I'm so glad to have you. I was sharing with Haley right before we got started that I'm very excited to talk about this topic because I see it all the time. Um, And I would love to help people understand why we feel the desire or the need. I feel like it's more of a need and you're going to help me figure that part out to be a pleaser or a people pleaser and what that means. And I shared with her and I'll share with the audience. So I was always considered a willful child. (laughs) Like my parents never once were like, she's a pleaser. They were always like, what is wrong with you? And There was absolutely that, like, what will people think, and you need to behave and worry about, like, external validation, and, like, I would play at the edges of that, but I could never embody it. So I don't have issues with people-pleasing, but I have people in my life who do and struggle with it, and I sometimes want to shake them and be like, just say what you need, say what you really feel, and so I'm so curious, like, if you could share with us your your relationship with people-pleasing and and how you first decided, like, this is going to be what I talk about. Yeah, so I think everyone has a different relationship to people-pleasing. Mine comes out in a couple of different ways. One of them is this really, it's almost like a compulsion to make sure everyone around me is doing okay. So it's, if folks are seeming off, if they feel weird, if they feel bad, there's this strange sense of responsibility to make it better, to fix it. That's one of the predominant ways that arises for me. Um, I think also I've experienced people pleasing on a larger scale when it comes to like social success and perfectionism, Mm -hmm. sort of like macro cosmic people pleasing, like achieving, succeeding in a way our culture teaches me to succeed. And, And so often, no matter the form of people pleasing, it kind of feels like I need to be a chameleon to do what everyone else expects of me instead of listening in to what I really want and need for myself. Um, And it's interesting, right? Because some folks have this tendency and some folks don't. And in a lot of the research I've done and just a lot of my experience with clients, those of us who became people pleasers generally learned during a young age, whether it was like childhood, 
adolescence that in order to be loved and accepted, we needed to go above and beyond and go out of our own comfort zone um, in order to receive that validation from others. That's so powerful because I think I totally relate to the fixer thing, right? So I don't feel like I'm a people, people <laughs> purple please, people pe- pleaser. <laughs> you say that three times fast. I don't think that I'm a people pleaser, but I do feel the, t- the need to fix. Um, I don't like seeing people around me hurt um, or struggling. And so my first inclination is to move into this mode of, okay, how are we going to fix this? And I turn into like this very logical, like I've got a list and we've got this figured out and we're going to call experts and we're going to, so I, I totally understand the fixer perspective, but I think what's really interesting to hear from you is that these are our messages that we received when we were younger, because I, I wrote a book about the messages that we receive when we're, we're kids and how it doesn't have to be very specific languaging, but it's a lot of expectations that our parents or the people around us may have, or it's the way they interact with us, or shame-based parenting, or whatever it may be, that all of a sudden, all of these little messages we receive create something within us that, that makes us believe we have to we have to achieve or we have to perform in order to be um, worthy of love or worthy of attention. So I, I absolutely understand that. I think that so much of what we deal with on a daily basis when it comes to like the shadow parts of ourselves is because of the messages that we've received that were so unconscious. You know, we were just, we were trusting in the people that were leading us to, to tell us who we were, right? And it's almost like we have to then unwind it and come into who we are. Mm, that's completely right. And you're completely right. Like the messages we receive as kids are so, um, pervasive. And what's even more interesting here is that, of course, if we received direct messaging from our caregivers, right? Like you are not enough, you must be better. That's, it seems obvious that that might develop in some people pleasing tendencies. And even beyond that though, if we were children and we had parents who or caregivers who struggled with, um, addiction, depression, anxiety, Mm. um, any of these you know, anything that would have caused them to not be able to provide for us the validation and complete sense of love that we needed to feel seen, we may have needed to be like the little sunshine. Like, Mm. I'm always going to be happy and bouncy. So this way, mom and dad and whoever uh, pay attention to me. And that's so tricky because, of course, the parents or caregivers in those scenarios don't mean to instill in us those messages. But so often the result is the same. That's really, so I grew up in a, a home with an alcoholic parent and I think, I, I talk to a lot of people who, who have addiction within their family and there's a disconnection, you know, from, from an emotional perspective, a healthy, I should say, emotional perspective. And you feel the need to kind of be the parent and guide and lead and try to set up those, those connection points and those um, emotional kind of bonding moments, which aren't always returns, you know? And so I, there are those moments. What do you say to people who, who know, because do most people know that they're people pleasing? Do they realize that what they're doing is possibly harmful on a go forward basis? Fantastic question. In my experience, what I notice is that folks tend to have a light bulb moment. They may not be aware of their people-pleasing tendency, but perhaps they see a quote or a meme or someone else shares a story and they're like, oh my God, this Mm -hmm. is me. And so often 
when we're people pleasing, um, <laughs> it's funny, right? Cause in a way at first we might think we're being helpful. Like, look, I'm going out of my way. I'm meeting someone else's needs. I'm predicting their needs, but often people pleasing can be received as intrusive, violating our own autonomy and boundaries. And so sometimes people realize they're people pleasers because someone in their life says, Hey, um, I, I need some space from you trying to predict and meet my needs. That's hilarious. I have a friend. <laughs> We've had to learn how to re, um, regenerate our friendship because I'm such a fixer and she's gone through a hard time. And I have had to learn even how to change the way I text her because my first inclination when she's like, this is happening, this is happening. I'm like, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And she's like, I hate you right now. <laughs> and I'm like, I am, I'm trying the best I can. And what I've had to learn over time, because she has very strong boundaries and I appreciate her rewriting them for us, um, is you have to meet people where where they are and where they, they could use your help. You have some people who are like, please fix my life. Like, here, I'll hand it over to you. I would like for you to make all of my next decisions. And I, that's not healthy either, right? Um, but I think there are some people who, and this is one of the things that I learned, especially when I went through a hard time, is um, the most thing, the biggest thing I appreciated was when someone said, I don't know how to relate to you right now because I've not experienced what you have. So tell me who to be for you. Am I a support system? Am I a sounding board? Do you want advice for me? And I was like, I just need you to say, I know this is hard and listen to me. That's it. And so I think with my friend, it was the same kind of thing when she told me, you know, I don't need you to fix my life. I need you to be there for me. I think that's when I realized, oh, wow, like I have this tendency to go in and try to like fix people's lives. And like Ayanna Van Zant made an entire show about it. So maybe I need to like <laughs> call Oxygen and be like, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> um, um, but I think, I think it's so valuable to see yourself sometimes through other people's eyes, right? So if someone is drawing boundaries with you or telling you, hey, this is what's going on or I don't appreciate that, that's actually a gift. It's a gift for someone to kind of, sometimes um, it hurts when someone tells us something negative about ourselves. Um, but I think it's such a place of power if we can accept that, you know? I agree fully. And when folks communicate to us what they need, um, in some ways, it might not even be something negative about ourselves. It, it essentially could just be like, look, I'm going to set this boundary. And by doing so, I'm going to give you this guidebook on how to interact with me in a way that mm -hmm. makes me feel safe and seen. And that's great. It takes away the need to mind read. Like you can essentially just support each other in the way you need to be supported, you know? And, and to your point um, about the fixing, a huge sort of mantra in like the people pleasing and codependency recovery world is this idea of being able to identify what's ours and what's someone else's. Mm. And so a huge part of moving forward and saying, all right, I'm a people pleaser. How do I work on this is learning to identify what is your work and your needs to focus on and, and others. Um, cause if we're people pleasing and constantly fixing, we may actually be spending more time, managing in other there. people's problems yes. and our own. And, and we may be neglecting our own needs in the process. Well, and that could be our own defense mechanism, right? That could be, there could be some people, people pleasing and, and throwing themselves into the drama or the concerns or the worries of others because it's harder to look inward at times, right? That's right. And, but, you know, I think that that's such a good point that so much of our emotional energy is being spent. Like when I have friends that are in need or suffering, I, I have a tendency to, I don't like to see anyone hurting, 
right? So I want to I want to be that 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 crew, that tribe, that that group around them that's like, okay, we've got this. This is what we're going to do. But I realize also that I take on so much that I become emotionally drained and emotionally exhausted. So you also have to be very aware of what it's doing for you and what it's doing to you. Um, to be in this space, how would you how would you advise people? Because I, I love that you talk about um, creating empowered uh, ways of communicating and empowered boundaries. Like, how would you tell someone who has suffered from this inclination of people pleasing, has had a friend or a meme kind of highlight it for them, and now is like, okay, how do I unwind myself from this? How do I? And I'm sure there's a ton of self awareness that's involved. But how do I shift to where I'm more empowered? And when I think of people-pleasing, I think this is also where I'm coming from, I also think of people-pleasing like I am afraid to have my own opinions and ideas because they don't fit within your expectations and your lifestyle, your religion, your belief system, whatever it may be. Um, so that's how I think of, of people-pleasing. And I would think of that individual who's like, learned, okay, I'm doing this. Maybe I'm not a fixer, but maybe I'm afraid to advocate for my own beliefs because I'm afraid that you're not going to like them. Mm, yeah, totally. That's a great question. And I think, you know, I like, I like to remind folks a great analogy is that um, learning to break the people-pleasing pattern and communicate in an empowered way, it's really like exercising a muscle, and for those of us for whom this is new, or you know, if we didn't learn how to express ourselves healthily in childhood for myriad reasons, um, that muscle might be weak. And mm -hmm. so every time we express even the smallest truth or the simplest expression of our own preferences, we are working out that muscle and strengthening it for down the road. Um, and so you ask the question, right? Like, so you realize you're a people pleaser. Now what? <laughs> what happens mm -hmm. now? And I think... <clears throat> Um, so often, you know, what I like, I like to remind folks that we think of people pleasing and whatever is sort of a relational issue, but more often than not, this tendency to people please stems from some sort of dysfunctional or disconnected relationship from the self. Like you said earlier, we may be trying to, um, overindulge in others' issues so we don't have to come face to face with our own. Maybe we're afraid of how they'll be received. Maybe we're scared of judgment. And so really the first step here at least the way I see it, is getting really clear on our sense of identity and the values that mean a lot to us. The more we're in touch with who we are and what our values are, the more they provide sort of like a buffer between ourselves and others' judgments. Today Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live app, now available on the Apple App Store. We believe that healthy you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. To that end, we have created accountability features and a platform of curated coaches and thought leaders in a wide variety of areas, all to bring each person to their best self as a whole and healthy individual. We do this through time-proven tools that offer personal accountability, measurable growth, a support system, and community. At all times, live guests have access to an accountability coach or to our network of coaches through email submission. Whether you simply want to goal set with a little support or have a coach provide you a monthly plan, We've got you. Search Live Media Inc. in the Apple App Store or link to us through our Instagram account at loveisviral.media or mine at ms.janetteschneider.
And by doing that, we can sort of develop a way of living in the world so that we're acting in integrity with our values and less likely to sort of bend and, and sway based on what we expect others to need from us. Um, I realize that might sound a little nebulous at first, but a great way of starting, the simplest way, if you're really not sure, is just getting in touch with your body's simple desires. Um, meaning, how common is it to stay up late even though we're super tired? Or, you know, um, not eat the foods we want because we, we'd rather eat something else. There are so many ways that we deny our body's natural desires and cues. And so if we have trouble accessing and communicating what we want and need, tuning into our bodies and listening to those natural impulses is a really wonderful way to just take that first incremental step towards building that muscle up. Does that make I, sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I think the reason, so like when I was writing my book and I was talking about how to learn how to use intuition and self-awareness, it's kind of funny because I'm talking about unwinding old messages that you have from childhood and belief systems and beliefs that you're unworthy or whatever they may be. And so much of it, it was like, first you have to learn how to be self-aware, right? And so much of it is connected to our body and what our body, our bodies are communicating with us all the time. So, you know, I created a couple exercises, one I call the gut check method. And that's to learn how your body is speaking to you in various situations. Like if you get a text message and your shoulders immediately slump in and you're like, ugh, that's a, that's a sign. <laughs> that's a sign that there's something there. If someone walks into the room and immediately you're crossing your arms in front of you or you find yourself guarding yourself, um, that's a sign. Like our bodies are constantly letting us know, hey, I'm giving you some warnings that you may not consciously be aware of. And unfortunately, our conscious messaging so much is like, oh, give them a chance. Oh, things aren't like this. They look like this. And I feel like we're, the way I've always said it is, we're born perfect. Everything that came next was information. And we, we program our children in this is the right and this is the wrong. And we don't learn. We, we learn how to um, disconnect from our body's guidance and our own soul's guidance. And, you know, my whole thing is you have to get back in touch with that. You have to get to a place where you're learning to check in with yourself. And for me, that has also been understanding what states I feel empowered in. So I feel empowered when I'm passionate, when I'm creating, when I'm kind. And then when I do start to slip into things that I have learned about myself, I can very easily be like, ooh, this is, a, this is not my peak state, right? My peak state is in this really beautiful space. I'm moving into martyrdom. I'm moving into something else. And I've actually learned how to time myself where I'm like, okay, that took me about, it used to be, it's like 45 minutes before I realized I was being a martyr, right? And now I'm like, I can immediately feel that kind of, that ick, that heavier energy and before I speak it, I'll spend some time with it. Like, what is this? What emotion is this? Is this mine or is this someone else's? Is this one of my shadow sides, right? Is this one of the darker sides of myself that I need to kind of rewire in this moment? Um, and that's taken a lot of self-awareness, though. But it is very much not only being aware of what your body's telling you, but the state that you like to be in most of the time and how to understand when you're not and why you're not. Mm, rock on. Yep. And when exactly like when you veer from that into something else, mm -hmm. I like to refer to these, what we're talking about, whether it's the like slumping your shoulders, crossing your arms, feeling that icky, heavy feeling. I like to think of these as what I call like boundary setting signposts. It's like, they're these signs that are like, Hey, 
check it out. Like my body is communicating to me. Um, and sometimes those signposts are emotional. So like you mentioned with that heavy energy of like, Oh wow, I think I'm being a martyr Mm -hmm. or, um, a really big one is resentment. Resentment is my favorite sort of like red flashing light that a boundary might need to be set because essentially the feeling of resentment is, is it's kind of the sensation of having been taken advantage of. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the moment we feel that we can know like, Hey, I might be going out of my comfort zone. I might be over pleasing and really I need to reassert, um, what feels comfortable and safe for me. So I love this because I talked to, um, a couple, they're like, uh, dating coaches and they're a couple. And we talk specifically about resentment. So resentment for me has always been like, oh my God, I want to make sure that I protect my relationship so that we don't have the reason to create resentment, right? And one of them said to me, like, that's the wrong way of looking at it. Because if you're trying to avoid it, you're going you're gonna to stumble right into it, right? And she was like, what if you look at resentment as a tool? But you have to know that that's where you're heading and speak out, right? Rather than allowing yourself to sit in resentment for ages until your relationship is so far, you know, devolved that there's no saving it. Um, but actually say, okay, I'm feeling resentful right now. Why? And instead of pointing the finger out and looking at the other person and saying, you did this to me, saying, what is this triggering within me? Right. And she's like, use resentment as a way to really understand yourself better because you have a need that is not being met, but you may not have communicated that need. And I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. (laughs) Right. Right. It's totally true. Like we can so often, um, resentment can be a a result of us not like being forthright and communicating what our needs are and what our boundaries are. So when they get overstepped or neglected, um, folks may not even realize they're doing it. So it's why that, that empowered communication feeling totally, um, righteous and allowed to say what you need, um, is so important in this work. Oh, I love that. Well, I call it like your, you have to know what's important to you, but you also have to know what's important to the people that you love. And that's one of the things that's been like very valuable for me in my relationships is, is realizing, especially your romantic relationship, your partner relationship, realizing what they value and checking in with each other and advocating for self, but from a place of love and compassion. And I think that's such a game changer for most people, because for some reason we have this kind of like, I'm right. You hurt me. (laughs) Like, how dare you? But half the time it's because we haven't been a, a, we haven't advocated for ourselves. And like you call it empowered communication. We haven't communicated um, what those needs are and we haven't received when they've tried to communicate with us. Yep. It's almost like you have to have it, like you have to have the dirty conversations in order to have the the good relationship. Right. (laughs) I love that. And it's, it's worth the effort, you know, like, that's how we can only be like fully intimate and fully authentic when we're expressing ourselves and part of who we are is what we need. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And something, so what, oh, sorry, ahead. I just wanted to mention this one thing because I think it speaks, um, speaks to what you just mentioned about having those messy conversations. When we start to break the people pleasing pattern, I think one of the first reactions, the gut reactions we have is like, oh my God, people won't like me anymore. Oh my God, I'm going to upset so-and-so or I'll be abandoned by whoever, right? These fears are so, um, so natural. They're, mm-hmm. they're super duper natural. And I think a, a cool reframe here that you can use when you're trying to break that pattern is like, who else in my life will benefit 
when I begin to speak my truth and start communicating openly. And it's a really nice reframe. We always think about how people will not benefit, but actually they do, especially if by speaking our truth, if we become a stronger, more comfortable version of ourselves, it's easy to imagine how our partners, our children, our colleagues, our neighbors, how they might benefit from that. And so that's a really powerful reframe when you're having some of those insidious fears about what could go wrong. That's so funny. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking specifically of my family dinners, right? So we have a weekly planned family dinner with my partner and our two daughters. And what I have noticed is that when I am actively communicating values, expectations, needs, feelings, and we're having this conversation, we are just like a well-oiled little machine. And like every night at our prayers, we talk about the things that we're grateful for, the things we need to work on, and we admit our like our faults and our failures. So one of them has an issue with gratitude. The other one has an issue with arguing. I have an issue with anxiety. My boyfriend has an issue with patience. And so like we are very human in front of each other, but we also are kind of sharing like what's going on. When I'm busy and we miss family dinners, it's like all hell has broken loose because we're not actively talking about what's important to us, our values. We're not communicating what we need from each other. Instead, it's like, I'm busy. And like the cruise director like hopped off the ship and like everyone's like, woo, party, you know? And it's hard to like bring everybody back in. And what I love, my actually my daughter did this the other night. We were having family dinner and all of a sudden she's like, I want to play a game. And I said, well, what's this game? And she's like, well, I would like for us to go around the table and pick a person and talk about how we can improve our relationship, which totally shocked me. Wow. Because, well, she, and she's eight, which totally shocked me because she has not, she, she loves my, my partner, but she's still wants me to get back together with dad. And like, I've explained to her that that's not going to happen. And her, her response has continually been, daddy told me anything's, anything's possible. I'm like, daddy didn't know what you were talking about. Um, so we're, we're going around the table and she's like, I want to have this conversation. And she looks specifically at him and she said, I would like to tell you how I think we can improve our relationship. And he was like, oh, okay. And she said, I think I need to do a good job or a better job of paying attention to you and, and listening to you. And he's like, I could do a better job of this and that. Like he teases sometimes and she doesn't like it. And I was just so proud and impressed because when we do have these family dinners, they're seeing this, this very healthy way of communicating that's now becoming part of their DNA, yes. right? And so I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I didn't have tools like this when I was a little kid. Everyone resented each other. People threw keys at each other. Like when I remember my mom throwing the house keys at my dad, like, oh, I'm moving out. Like, I mean, there was so much passive aggressive and very aggressive behavior that, and there was no sitting down and, and talking through it with the children. It was like, there's an us and there's a them. And for us, we're having these very empowered conversations on a regular basis. We're not shaming for bad behavior. We're accepting that there's both light and dark in all of us and asking for help and guidance. And I just, I'm so proud of what we're creating. But it was so funny, as we were talking, I'm like imagining these family dinners and like how valuable they are. And I need to make sure that I keep doing them because when I don't, I feel crazy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh my God. Um, your daughter sounds incredible. <laughs> I mean, if this is her, like, you know, expressing her needs and being authentic at age eight, like, I can't wait to see what she's like at age like 25. <laughs> 
I have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I've always been like her first boyfriend. Like she's allowed to express boundaries with us. So her first boyfriend, I'm like, she's she's good. She's gonna be able to be like, don't do that. <laughs> I don't like that. Well, I mean, this is that's an incredible story, and like you clearly did like a wonderful job bringing her into the world. And I appreciate your family dinners because they, like you're saying, they create. Um, they create a culture of being authentic. Like, I think that if you can sort of weave, you know, stating your needs, being receptive into the very infrastructure of the relationships you're building with others, um, it's great because then, see, I think it becomes problematic. Um, when, if people express their needs wicked rarely, um, it can be this like big thing, like, oh, something's wrong. I've done something terrible. We're talking about needs, right? Whereas if it becomes normalized and just part of your, you know, daily process or weekly check-in or whatever, um, there becomes a sort of like, I don't know, like an aura of safety around it, which is really great. And that just opens up the floor for everyone to just be honest. I totally agree. And I think it's so important. So like even in the relationship, like one of the things my partner and I shared from the very beginning was we want to have an open conversation about a relationship that's the norm, right? Like, so we're, we have, we talk about a relationship weekly, if not daily at times. And it's, how are you doing right now? How are you feeling about things? How can I support you? And, you know, if he'll ask me, hey, do you want to do this with me? And I am busy or I've got something else. Is that important to you? yes, then I will be there. So I think there's like, you can absolutely set the expectations and it it bothers me when people um, move into relationships and kind of expect that it's always going to be this perfect sunrise. And then when it's not, they're sad and upset and we're like wondering like what went wrong, but they never set the basis for the tough conversations. That's right. Oh my God. Totally. And I think like a huge part of these conversations, especially in like partnerships or, or, you know, marriages, whatever, is this idea that like, I I talk a lot about um, mind reading and how expecting others to mind reads are to mind read our needs is a recipe for resentment. And I think that's really critical because like, think about like the love languages, for example, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm super verbal, like I'm a Gemini, I'm cerebral. Like I want to hear through words how Mm -hmm. everyone's feeling and how they're feeling about the relationship. Whereas others, if their love language is like physical touch or gift giving, um, others may think they're loving me a hundred percent, but I might be sitting here stewing in anxiety being like, are we good? Are we good? (laughs) Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that's super me. And so recently, like, I have these conversations not only with my partner, but with, like, my friends and my parents. Like, hey, it's really important to me, like, that I am shown love in these specific ways. Um, And that's, like, so empowering to be able to speak up for that. You know what I mean? And so I think, like, like you're saying, like, if you can have, like, a daily, weekly check-in, create that culture, everyone's Mm -hmm. happier. And you don't need to, to guess anymore. You don't need to wonder. No, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's so... It's so attainable. It's just a matter of being willing to open your mouth. And I think, unfortunately, depending on how you were raised or how you were told to sit still, be quiet, or whatever the case may be, um, it's a matter of recognizing if that's the case and if that's the paradigm, if that's the expectation that you have of relationships, even though you want it to be different. Like, I know for me, when I first, um, when, I, when I got divorced and decided, you know, to date intentionally, I had to make the conscious decision to be okay with conflict. And it took a lot of work. And I remember reading intimacy or conflict drives intimacy deeper. And instead of looking at as conflict for a fight, we now walk into conflict with the expectation that we want to understand each other better. 
Oh my God. Isn't <laughs> I love that so hard. <laughs> wow. Um, what a great rule to live by. Cause it's inevitable, right? I mean, and so developing like a, you know, a loving relationship with conflict is critical, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. A loving relationship with conflict. I think that that's like a hashtag or something <laughs> or a course. <laughs> it's something. And I think like what, what you're bringing up, it, um, I think something really important to address in this conversation, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. When we're boundary setting, when we're speaking our needs, we have to come to terms with the reality that there will, there may be folks in our lives, whether they're parents, partners, friends, or acquaintances, colleagues, who will not like them mm-hmm. um, and who may trespass our boundaries. They may not respect our boundaries. And like, this is something I get in my coaching practice all the time because we're talking about boundaries and then there's this really natural response of like, what if people don't like them? And so I think it's important to have that conversation so you can sort of proactively think through this and say like, all right, what if I set a boundary with so-and-so or express a need and um, this person is not willing to meet me there or this interferes with this person's boundary also? Um, and I think sometimes we have to do the really hard work, like you were saying with your partner of, is this really important to you? Like yeah. learning how to, to negotiate and compromise there. I think that when you make a conscious decision that you want to live a different type of life and you decide to change up the way you're approaching your relationships, your behavior changes, the way you interact changes, it will oftentimes make the people around you who maybe haven't done the same work uncomfortable. They think, oh, you think you're better than me now. Oh, you're too busy for me. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. What's going on with you? What's wrong with you? And I've faced that many times before. And I think it's really hard for people. And I've had to I've had to correct myself because whenever I talk about this subject, I immediately want to talk about the people around you and how they're going to respond and don't let them bother you. And I, I instead want to say, don't put so much emphasis on them. Put so much put the emphasis on you. Because if you're growing, you're going to feel the difference and you're going to prefer the growth and you're going to prefer the way it makes you feel. And you're going to see the the the, the space between you and them is going to widen and don't, you may grieve that, you may be sad and some of those people may not have as active a part in your life over time or you're going to inspire their growth. Like that happened with me. I had several people who were like, ooh, who do you think you are? You're all like Miss, you know, Molly Sunshine now. And over time, a couple of them reached out to me and said specifically like, what happened to our friendship? And it wasn't that I said anything mean to them. I just stopped being available. And I was just busy with other thing, things and other people. And I said, if you want to know, honestly, I'll share with you from my heart. Like, I'm on this path, and I knew this bothered you. I knew this part wouldn't make you happier. When I did tell you about the things that were I was happy about, you would shoot them down. Or I'd have to mute some of my successes around you. And every single one of them that I had a heartfelt conversation with was like, you're giving me inspiration. Like one of them was like, I think I'm depressed. I'm really sad. And I keep like messing up my friendships. And I'm like, here's a list of books and podcasts, girl. I'm totally like behind you. You need to go on your own journey, right? Like here are the things that helped me. And, you know, someone else was like, I I know I want to be better, but I don't know how. And there were very specific conversations. So I think I'm like working myself into the awareness that your growth is for you and the people that fall away may be inspired by you 
from from their space. They may not show up right now, but I bet you anything that, you know, at some point in time, they're going to remember your growth. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. What a silver lining, right? Like yet another example of the ways that other people, um, you know, benefit when we start living this way. I, I think of it as almost like pruning a tree or a plant or whatever, right? Like we sometimes need to clear away like the dead and drying leaves in order to make space for the other ones to grow. And like, I'll be honest, like this year alone and or 2019, I suppose, like as a result of learning to effectively communicate my boundaries and be a little bit more uncompromising about some of my most important needs. Mm-hmm. I had some of my friendships, even one particular friendship, like very near and dear to me ended, um, as a result of that. And what I think is so important is that like, that may happen and it's going to be so normal and natural and like wicked painful, right? Yeah. Because you're going to grieve. You're going to feel lonely. You might feel like, you know, your one social circle might be withering away because it's no longer a good match, but maybe you haven't found the new one yet and you're in this weird limbo. And what's so important here is that it's not to paper over the bad feelings. They may be there, but I think what's important to remember is that it's not a sign that you're doing anything wrong. It's not a sign that you're broken. It's just a sign that you're doing something new. Mm. And that's sort of like whatever pruning middle ground phase is literally part of the process. It's the most normal thing in the world. And so just like reframing our relationship to those tough moments can be a tool for our growth, I think. Oh, I love it. I think that's such valuable advice and perspective. And um, this has been an amazing conversation. I want to pivot because I have a couple of questions that I ask everyone and I'm curious for you, especially because of your recognition of this people pleasing, right? So when you were um, when you were a little girl, um, if you were to give her some advice today from all of your life experience, what age would she be, and what advice would you give her? Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm picturing myself probably around age six. I have this old photo of me standing on a rock in like a a swamp or something. And I'm standing with my arms above my head, like a little superwoman. (laughs) This image is coming to mind. And, you know, this might sound very simple, but I think the advice that I would give her and encourage her to internalize is it's okay to be sad. Mm. The reason I say that is because, you know, as people pleasers and whatever, again, there's this emphasis on making everything okay, making others comfortable. And sometimes the simplest way to do that is to just seem like a little sunshine, happy all the time and and bubbly. I even had a past therapist say to me, you know, you're talking about these awful things, but you have this huge smile on your face. (laughs) You're always smiling. And so for me, learning that it's okay to be sad, both when I'm alone and even in the presence of others, Um, I'm still working on that to this day. And I think that if little Haley had been able to develop that self-acceptance, it would have made things a little bit easier. So it's okay to be sad. I love that. No, and it's, it's not simple. It's complex, right? Because you are disavowing a very important emotion and, um, instead of feeling your way through it. So I think that's really beautiful. I actually had a conversation with someone recently and she's like, you have a lot of sadness inside of you, but you act like everything's okay. And I smiled, and I think it's a different thing for me. It's more that I um, I had a tough period of time growing up, and then I've had some things happen that were unfortunate. 
but it's more like I've got this tough, I'm tough, I'm Teflon, I can handle anything. So instead of being like, I always have to be happy, it's like, I'm tough, I'm strong, I got it, instead of actually grieving some of the things that have happened that were painful. And so it was interesting because after she told me that, and I really took it to heart, um, I had um, a friend pass, and my grief was bigger than I, it was, it was very, very large, and I allowed it. I allowed it. I, I just, I, I worked through it. And my boyfriend at the time, you know, he, at the time that it happened, he looked at me and it was kind of funny because um, I hadn't told him about the conversation. He's like, Jeanette, it's okay to be sad. Like, you, you don't have to keep explaining why you're crying. Just go be sad. And I was like, thank you. Right? <laughs> it's so permission giving to yeah. get that feedback. Yeah, absolutely. If you were to be heading um, off this planet, you're transitioning, and you wanted to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration for those you're leaving behind or the next generation, what would they be? What's your legacy? Man, what a fantastic question. (laughs) It's a big one, right? Because there's so many things, and I suppose... You know, I think the truth is the legacy or the nugget would be this idea that with any change we hope to make to our lives, any habits we want to break, habits we want to build, it's this idea, like I mentioned earlier, of it's a muscle that we need to exercise. Um, So if you want to break the people-pleasing habit, you start small, you do little workouts per se, and you strengthen that muscle. Um, any, Any habit. And the reason I like this this nugget is because it allows for patience, it allows for imperfections and slow growth, and I think especially in our like self care self help culture, it can be easy to um, talk about things as if they were immediate. You know, let bad people go, set boundaries, be empowered, and so often the process is much messier and more complex and 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 longer than that. And so trusting that with every small step we take, every truth we speak, every time we listen to our body's desire to go take a nap or whatever, we are effectively exercising that muscle and making it stronger. Mm, I love that, and I think it's so valuable um, to think of all of these things as as practice, as the exercising, as the flexing and building, rather than giving ourselves a hard time because we don't have it yet. That's right. And I think sometimes we do that, like especially when people first come into the self-development phase, they're like, I'm not getting it yet. And like they actually are too hard on themselves because maybe they have an achievement-based mindset. And instead, you know, I keep thinking of it like our, our gurus tell us in our yoga classes, you know, yoga is a practice. So I think of that in other ways. I'm like, I am, I'm practicing, you know, healthy communication. I am practicing a loving relationship. I'm never going to tell anyone I'm an expert at anything because I enjoy the, I enjoy the, the daily growth I think has been part of the delight of the journey for me not being like, I've got it, I have the answers, here are my five top ways to do X. And I think that's why I love this platform um, and, and the app, because in both, we're, we're sharing conversation and we're sharing our own experiences and what has helped. But I love it because I learn something new every day from every single person that we talk to, from every coach. So it's almost like it's flexing curiosity 
for me and then sharing the beautiful nuggets that come from that, from coming from that place of like, I want to know more and I want to continue to grow those muscles. But I think it's so important for, for us to recognize that none of it's perfect. And even if you're involved in self-development, it doesn't mean that you've got it figured out and it just means you have better tools. That's couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. It's like what you said about the issue of conflict, right? Like expecting the process to be nonlinear and developing like a trusting and loving relationship with the moments when it's hard or imperfect will really just make the process better overall. So I fully agree. And I love that point. Love it. Well, I want to thank you so much, Haley, for being on this episode of Gold. If people are curious about where to find you or have questions about how to work on this a little bit more, where can they find you? Great question. Yeah, I mean, really just head over to my website. It's www.haleymcgee.com. And from there, you can access my Facebook, my Instagram, and check out my blog where I discuss a bunch of these ideas in detail. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Jeanette. This rocked. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. I loved Haley's advice to create a loving relationship with conflict. Can you imagine how much healthier our relationships would be if we learned to do this? Start today. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Haley Page McGee or visit her website at HaleyMcGee.com. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms.janetteschneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.